is the Supreme Court too pro-religion? And also, you know, are we uh, are we at the end of our ropes on this economy? Learn that and more in Good News, Bad News. Welcome to Good News, Bad News, the Libertarian Christian Roundtable, where every other week we challenge the status quo and give you the libertarian Christian analysis of what's happening in your world. Welcome back to Good News, Bad News, the Libertarian Christian Roundtable. I'm Dr. Norman Horn, your host for tonight. And with me today, I have Kerry Baldwin, Matthew Bellis, and Aaron Sepulveda. Uh, we are here today with, uh, with all sorts of news of the day, and we are excited to get to talk to you once again. Thanks for joining us. And if you wouldn't mind, please like and subscribe to this video, or uh, if you're on YouTube, or please give us a nice review and a subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher or whatever you call them these days. Uh, but we'll let's get right into it, folks. We appreciate your support, but let's talk about the weirdness in the news today. Uh, I saw an article uh, recently in the New York Times that suggested that now uh, we have the most pro-religion Supreme Court of the last, what, 100 years. And it was uh, re- rather funny uh, on its face because the argument was basing that entirely on uh, Supreme Court cases where the Supreme Court ruled in favor of some type of religious liberty. So it's it's almost as if the New York Times was even saying, you know, like it's it's, it's a bad th- it, that it's a bad thing that that we're becoming more pro-religious liberty in the Supreme Court. As, and, and also, well, it's just it's just it's just really ridiculous. But in particular, this was uh, this was spawned by the recent Supreme Court case in Maine, or rather the Supreme Court case that came out of Maine, I suppose we should say, where uh, the issue at hand was that uh, apparently the state of Maine has a kind of a voucher uh, system that's going on now to where if you live far enough away from a public school, instead of uh, you can get the tax money back that you would have normally contributed to your local public school and then instead use that to go to the private school of your choice. Originally, the law was specified that it should be non-sectarian. And so parents sued and won in the Supreme Court that they should be allowed to spend that with a religious school. And rightfully so. I mean, it doesn't make any sense otherwise. But it is interesting uh, that that this is a that that this went down in the first place. That it did end up as a victory in the Supreme Court. And then, of course, it brings up the question of: Are vouchers a good idea? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? Is this? What do you think about this case first of all? And then, and even the assertion that like, well, is are we are we entering this new era of pro religious liberty anymore? What was is this happening? <laughs> Gasp! Gasp! Uh, I, I it the air has gone out of my lungs like a deflated bike tire. It's just absolutely <laughs> terrible that we should be thinking about. Uh, religious schooling and having some sort of parity with our own money um, as the uh, the benefits that uh, the government schools get so you know strange times we live in perhaps so well I guess I gotta say I'm actually not a fan of the voucher system and I'll tell you why you know for for years there have been people pushing for homeschoolers to be able to get some sort of voucher some sort of you know amount of money 
ostensibly from their property taxes in order to fund their their homeschooling ventures and homeschoolers like grassroots so this isn't like homeschooling you know organizations non-profits or whatever that are advocating you know lobbying on our behalf or anything like that um actual homeschoolers have have objected to that Mm -hmm. because that means that the state gets to define what a homeschool is like they have to in order for them to say okay we're going to give you this money in order to use it on x they have to define whatever x is and so uh homeschoolers have always seen that as a backdoor to regulating homeschooling because then Mm -hmm. they have to define it uh, then they have to say, well, this is what homeschooling looks like. This is what it entails. This is the subject matter that's going to like. And so I would say that as far as the religious school is concerned, it's it it's the same. I have the same concern about that as I would about the homeschooling angle. Are they going to start defining what constitutes a religious uh, private school, right? Um, what are the, what are the Christians going to say if it's a a panic school or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it it just opens up a can of worms. You're, you're exactly right. And like, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a 95% on that one. (laughs) 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 Um, you're, you're, you're assessment of gear on that one. Yeah. Well, uh, part of it is it may be just slightly different wording. Um, you, you, you use the word define. And uh, and also I kind of uh, regulate is perhaps the the more kind of imminent threat. Um, I'll tell you, you know, for well, you 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 regulate you regulate through the definition and then and then then by by saying, okay, we get to have a say in where this money goes Mm -hmm. and we've defined where this money can go. Now we're going to take a step further and start to regulate now you have to test so that well, here, we here's that. why here's why i, I kind of slightly differ is that they already tend to define what the homeschool is the restrictions that they put upon it is they really where don't. well well okay it's, so that's it, state by state I mean, yes exactly that's the thing is that but, it's it, yeah. it's it depends on where you are you know there are different there are differing uh I mean, there's 50 different states and you can go to HSLDA, you know, dot org or whatever and probably get all of the different, you know, aspects. And uh, and I mean, for instance, it's very interesting to consider that, you know, a, that are, there are states like, you know, California that are actually less restrictive in mm-hmm. home, in their homeschooling laws than, say, the state of, uh, of Illinois. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so go figure that one out. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas like the most, you know, you know uh, you know, Missouri is, is actually more restrictive than say Texas, uh, you know, where, mm-hmm. uh, and I've lived in both of those States, you know, and, and interestingly, it's like, I remember, you know, cause a lot of people, well, for some listeners who may not know this, but I was, I was actually, we started homeschooling as a family when I was in sixth grade, I was 11 years old. And when we moved to Missouri for the first time, and, and I remember when the voucher stuff started coming in, at that, mm-hmm. you know, even during those years or those subsequent years in between th- that and when I graduated high school and the resistance of homeschoolers to those potential laws, um, mm-hmm. because not because of necessarily that there were going to be changing definitions, but there would be new specifications as to what would be required of them in order to qualify a- a- under 
a kind of a definition at that point. Right. And so, yeah. so that's, so I, I think it's just a kind of slightly different terminology. I kind of want to use there because, the, yeah. because they, they're going to define it one way or another, because they get to define what the, what a school is. And then they usually make the, you know, some exceptions for, for what is a homeschool. But they made like in Missouri, all you had to do at the time was, uh, you know, if you wanted to say you graduated high school, all you had to do was provide, you know, a essentially a syllabus of what you covered and then provide some evidence of that. And that was it. Like that, then you could qualify as saying I have graduated high school. And uh, and then, you know, it didn't necessarily mean, you know, they might want to see a GED or something like that. But uh but then you also had things like standardized tests, ACT, SAT, and so on and so, on and so forth. Well, and I'll just say in, in New Mexico, we New Mexico has some of the le it, it's the least regulated or one of the least regulated states mm -hmm. when it comes to homeschooling. Um, there is virtually no definition. It's just, you know, education by the parents. Um, and, you know, they do say, well, you have to cover such and such subjects you know your your typical subjects yeah but that's it we don't have we don't have testing we don't have in fact um are parents, you subject they, to reporting uh no okay no, yeah. yeah no reporting and it used to be that in order to graduate from from homeschooling high school in new mexico you had to take the ged they just changed it which oh. i'm shocked they just <laughs> changed it so that parents can just issue a diploma that's interesting okay. um so <clears throat> Um, at any rate, the uh, <laughs> so when I hear about uh, about these vouchers, I think um, you know I'm thinking in the context of, of New Mexico, and Almost I'm the thinking backdoor regulation. There's yeah, there would yeah. be in in my in in our situation, it would open the, up the door to, to regulation definition. Yeah. yeah, we we even I mean our state is very friendly to self-directed learning, unschooling, mm -hmm. all of these alternatives that don't look anything like the conventional paradigm um and those are they're arguably better models for for many kids um and those are the models that are likely to get sort of you know discarded as mm -hmm. this doesn't qualify for the voucher program so yep. if 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 the sentiment is the money should follow the children which is a great sentiment then what it should be is a reduction in property taxes that's it yeah yeah. So it's funny. Is, I, I'm sorry. Ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Well, I, I was just saying that this is the thing that we always constantly find ourselves in, in our society, being an overly regulated and uh, overly uh, legislated society where there wants, wants one group to have parity with another group so that nobody is left behind. But we continuously get into this situation where uh, we create new situations and laws that have yeah. these potentials for backdoor regulation. It's just a vicious cycle. Right. We just keep going over and, it over and over again. It's okay. My my input in this one is okay. The idea will be that property taxes will go will be just reduced and that's it. That does not pertain to federal government intervention because I think most of the money that schools receive is federal. It's federal, not so much from property tax, although obviously property tax. No, 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 no. No, most of it's property tax. Yeah. I'll have most to again, but most I'm you public school funding does come via the state. Property tax. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then, and then the next is when, since that's not available, what's the next best option? For, for what? The funding? property taxes are not available? 
Yeah, reducing property taxes is not available. What's the next one? So like if you have a homeschooler or a private schooler that doesn't own their house and therefore doesn't pay property taxes, is that what you're asking? What's No, no, no. Let's say we cannot reduce, we cannot get to reduce property taxes. What's the next best option? Should well, we still reject uh reject vouchers? sales taxes? No, 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 vouchers, I'm sorry. Oh, so should we one? still reject vouchers? Yes. Um I think this is a situation where it, sound, it, it sounds good in the short term and maybe has short term benefits, but the long term, the long term unintended consequences, um, I think, are fairly obvious for anybody who can see what government does when it gets its fingers in yeah. an area of society. There, there is OK, there, there play a little bit of the devil's advocate for a second. And I think there is one sense in which this does make sort of a circuitous sense for the the religious schools that exist so most of the time if you form a school that is of one way or another accredited in the state where it is founded you are going to conform by 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 law to the specifications and regulations that the state has already set forth and so it, it is arguable and i and not having read the main supreme court case i don't know if this was made as an argument but if it, if uh main religious schools are having to still conform to the standards and regulations of that any private school would have to we in, without money you know without then it does stand to reason that it would be as was argued in the supreme court case that this was a uh this was a dis essentially a discrimination against religious people and mm -hmm. their and their preferences so that and that's on the that was the basis of the supreme court case and the decision that was made is that they is that the voucher program their their suit was valid because not allowing the vouchers to be used for the religious schools was an infringement on their free exercise of religious practice because they're already regulated that's yes, and, and I think okay, but, but that would be accreditation. But accreditation isn't connected to receiving um, receiving tax dollars as you know form of payment for tuition and no, it's like no, no, like no, it's licensing. No, they're not receiving uh, these schools are not no, receiving money because okay because you be have the no example you have the example of Hillsdale College. Now I'm assuming Hillsdale College is accredited, but they take absolutely no funding right but we're talking primary and secondary schools not colleges here okay but yeah what's but, but the difference it's, it's we're talking about private schools yeah i which, like the example Kerry. which are still very similar you still go through i mean my my sister-in-law started a private school here she went through mm -hmm. an accreditation it, it's a very alternative school doesn't look anything like the public schools they had to go through and, and to get get accredited but they also don't receive any sort of monies from right from taxpayer so if they, they the private schools were receiving preferential treatment private schools sans religious non you know non-sectarian private schools were receiving voucher money already which they were in the state of maine there you mm -hmm. go then it they then the lawsuit is essentially saying that 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 by they are preferentially uh acting towards these private schools and thus mm -hmm. infringing upon free religious practice it, it's and given given that that, that we were, yeah. they already have a given that it exists yeah, exactly. in this manner that's the and, key. and because they're already under the the uh 
specification and regulation and accreditation of the state to exist in the first place because they have to because they that's how, if they're going to try to have a, a license essentially to start right. a school they have to do that you know so it, it follows from there so i think okay. that's that's kind of the argument and it, it doesn't really it doesn't affect the why the homeschooler should still reject the voucher right okay? that's true but it's it, this is only in the sense of that if they're already regulated if they're already following the accreditation path but they are being discriminated against by the state then it stands to reason that they should be allowed the voucher. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's I I, that. the way I read the at least the reporting on the the, the reporting on the case because I, like so I said this, I have not read the case itself. This whole thing really, in a lot of ways, it feels like a gear to pedal forward, but it could just set off a bad chain reaction. <laughs> yeah, but you no. know you're you're, you're oh, kind of right there. It seems yeah. like it seems <laughs> like it's setting fall. itself up for a fall. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Now, okay. And I was going to if. The, when we talk about the vouchers, and I hate that people don't do it, we just have to look at how the universities uh, behave and how the Pell Grant, we can literally just name it, the Pell Grant is a voucher system. Wherever the student goes, that's where $5,000 or so go, yeah, uh, go to. So that if we, I think the discussion has to, where, okay, long-term effects are going to be this, short-term effects are going to be that. Okay, so let's focus on a real life example is Pell Grants. I cannot right now make any judgment about whether the Pell Grants were a good idea or bad idea or whatever it is. And then Hillsdale, that's a good example. They just chose not to uh, receive any federal uh, grants and that or should loans. have some type of advantage or loans. Yeah. Well, loans, we shouldn't be getting no matter what. So that's <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. But that's the point is. But, but how, how is it that if they if they start getting those vouchers, which is what the Pell Grant is, that financial aid, they allow the students to get that. How is it gonna affect their uh, curriculum this and, is, their, and their culture? This is, yeah. this is a very good question because when we're talking about money following the student, there is this sort of sense that the money coming to you from, you know, that, that is cut by a, by a government entity, a treasury of some sort, um, that's not viewed as your money. Like yeah, I know right. libertarians see that as that's getting our money back, but nobody else does. They see that as right. the, the state is giving me money so that I can spend this on education for my kids. And then the, it, it just sets the stage for, okay, well, we're giving you this money. We get to tell you how you're going to spend it. Yep. Um, and there's already this, this frame of mind that, that money isn't actually ours. Yeah. Just as an aside, I think the MMT crowd has been absolutely successful at getting everybody into the mind that the money only belongs to the government no matter what, yeah. even if they that's, give it to you. That's completely false. I've been posting about it. That's false. The money's liability right. of the government. It's actually your asset. You own it. It's not the government. Right. That's just subjective facts of reality. It doesn't matter what MMT is. And the, but as you said, the culture right now in the moment that it is, uh, it's any type of uh, grant. It is interpreted as being government giving you something and you owe them uh, some, well, something for getting that money, although it's yours. And and the interesting side of that, and, and I alluded to this earlier, is you do have parents who do not pay property taxes because they don't own their house. They they rent or, or well. Whatnot. But that's, that's, so, still, that's not entirely living. true, though. They pay it in the form of rent. 
and, but and even, that's a service but, that but even is but even so that's some it, it's not the renter who's paying the property tax it's the property owner that's paying the property tax so but, they the the landlord is is paying that property well tax. that's but that's so, a service the landlord from the renter yeah, yeah, legit. yeah. I understand. It's like saying, I understand the cost is, is being passed. I understand. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. I have absolutely no problem with that. My point is, is with this this concept of the money following the student. Um, when it comes to parents who are not property owners, there you don't have this this issue where they're paying into the property taxes themselves. That is being paid for by the property owner themselves. And mm -hmm. if the money is being followed, that money will go back to the property owner. It won't go back to the renter. Okay, you just you know, and and this is because I have personal experience with it with a lot of uh, a lot of people here locally. Um, land landlords specifically sell access. Look, I'm gonna pay the property taxes, and therefore, thanks to me, which I'm. Uh, you're gonna have access to this school and such a school and such a school. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. So that that is it, it's the landlords are openly selling that right that they have, which I mean I understand your point that that should be the money, but they're selling it already through rent. That's that's fine, but that doesn't mean that it's going if if the property tax comes back to the actual property owner, the property owner doesn't have to give that to the renter so that the they renter. can but finance they their already. education. Well, they the, sold it. in that's theory, the way that vouchers are supposed to kind of work here is that and, and this again this will go completely against like the you know people have I, wildly I, different property taxes because of the wildly different property values with right. within which I, they're I being that. taxed right so it, the you know the rich kid down the block their family may be paying a hundred thousand dollars in property taxes every year but they're not going to get vouchers for a hundred thousand grand but, no i mean that's just not gonna but but even so if if they're calling this the money should follow the student and we know that it comes from the property taxes then the poor families who don't pay property taxes are getting a check are getting a check cut to them from the state that is not their money yeah so okay. I mean, so it's it is it's just a different, different form of wealth transfer at that point I, right yeah I know. so okay, I'm, okay but, that's but that's fine <laughs> it's like so, we, so, so it's people that are not paying rent what it, you're talking about people that are not that are so poor that they're not even paying rent. Someone's paying no. I'm rent talking about them. I'm talking about people who are paying rent. Okay. the The problem is that the people are paying rent. They've been sold that right already. That that the landlord already sold them the right through rent. And the reason why I say this is because landlords literally tell you you have the right to such and such school and all that. They when 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 they're talking to you about like renting. That that okay. This but is they the aren't you selling. Have but but they aren't giving the whole point of the voucher is for that money to come back to the parents so that they can pay for the education. There you go. They already paid through rent because it was sold so to them. So is the, is the landlord because, going well, to give them that that voucher system, back, like that that voucher money back? But that's not, but that's, the, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm of, just saying, I'm just saying that there is, there is something messed up about the voucher system because you have to think of it as the government's money in order for it to work the way uh, school choice advocates are saying it'll work. I, yeah, I, I think you're, you're, you're mincing a couple of words, I think, that, that yes. I don't think follow, but that part is 100% true, that, it's, that, that the government also has to like really screw over 
just you know a variety of different people in order to even hazard such a system working and it shouldn't really exist in the first place and i think that's kind of like the end result here i remember it's kind of a final anecdote before we kind of move on here i i did I, at one point in, in my kind of legislative activism days <laughs> uh back in like the early 2010s uh i i got was in a conversation with a Texas legislator who was trying to put forward a voucher bill. And I, I challenged him in front of a room, a large room of people, mind you basically saying, okay, so what's your, your, you claim that this is, that this bill is not going to have, that this is going to provide for a voucher program, but it will not exert any controls on the, on, on the schools that are going to receive the vouchers. He says, yes, that is the way it is. I was like, what guarantee can you make that upon in that at some point in the future that it will not be possible for future legislators to be able to address the fact that they are not being regulated for any given reason and then try to put forward something else that then will that will will tie regulation into it and he says well like and I, I i don't know like i i can't do that it's like well Norman, you know, i'm trying to get elected well, this season yeah. <laughs> okay but but you see the, well the I, that no so hold on so then i told him i i point blank told him he's like then what you should be doing is reducing people's taxes and not trying to just create another wealth transfer program and i stepped and i and i, and I stepped down yep. <laughs> it was like and it got a okay <laughs> it was now, great no, my question is can you guys guarantee that they're not gonna that the government is not going to uh, regulate thanks to the fact that there are no voucher systems, that they're not going to regulate private schools and homeschooling. Well, and, and the thanks fact to the fact that we don't have. Well, and I'll say I'll say at least as far as New Mexico is concerned, they have had a very hard time regulating homeschooling here. Um, and, you know, we don't have we don't have money coming back to us. Um, they've tried, they've tried to regulate, they've tried to do all kinds of backdoor approaches through, through the bureaucracy and they, they failed to do, to because they make can't make you do anything when, right. there, when there's not the money involved. That's yeah. the thing. And that's, that's kind of that's the holy the, grail here that peep yeah. that homeschoolers have kept on and, ho and holding on to homeschoolers know this. Yes. They're, yes. they are keenly aware of the fact that they're, that money is not tied yeah. to homeschooling. Yeah. And so they can fight for it. They, they can because parents' for rights will trump the state in that case. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the, that is the reality. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, and so, so I, I think we can leave it there. And, and there's a, I mean, this is a fascinating topic. Uh, it, we'll continue. Fine, yeah. Yeah. We'll move to the next one. I'll just <laughs> note, note, note that there is, there is a lot of information about voucher programs and uh, research and, and stuff in the uh, public policy section at the Cato Institute. Uh, and so if you really want to go learn more, there's actually a lot there that is uh, you can draw upon. Um, so anyway, we'll leave it at that. Pro and but, against, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pro and pro, you know, pro, Pro and against, yeah, it's for sure. So, uh, but moving on, we do have we do have other things we can talk about, and and I think that the thing on everybody's mind right now is the insane state of the economy and uh, and just just the variety of things that we are experiencing even now. Um, Matt, I think you wanted to to kind of begin this with uh, uh, you know what, what a diatribe was it? <laughs> Well, n not a diatribe, but I, I should actually ask you guys a quick question. Do you know the difference between a bicyclist and a tricyclist? No. Oh, I don't. A tire. Oh. <laughs> By the way, that is a really cool hoodie you have I'm on I'm just there. saying. 
and that, people can should that, take a look at a, an interesting store oh, that yeah. they can go to online. Oh, is that is that from the LibertarianChristians.com swag did you get store that today? Man? Possibly, what? what? Possibly, huh? Uh, so people wow. should take a look. Absolutely. But no, uh, we have a, an economy that is running away like an overinflated bike tire. Yeah. Uh, it, it is about to, to pop and go crazy. Actually, I don't know if you guys knew this, but the Fed increased interest rates again today oh, yeah. uh, to try and clear <laughs> off some of the issues, which we have some people who are Ooh. all for because they see Ooh. what the issues are there. But frankly... It, 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 what's interesting about this is that we live in a time period where there is such a easy dichotomy between two styles of leadership where you had in the Trump era, it was trying to get to low regulation, trying to get more energy independence out there. Um, unfortunately, spent a vast amount of money uh, at the end, <laughs> which increased a ton of spending. Uh, and and a, put a bunch of uh, fake money into the system, uh, and Keynesianism by another name <laughs> increased uh, under the current administration. And this administration won't take any uh, blame or credit, or won't do anything to try and say that they might be at fault. Here, just take a listen here. Everybody <laughs> else is at fault except for this administration. So for all those Republicans in Congress criticizing me today for high gas prices in America, are you now saying we were wrong to support Ukraine? Are you saying we were wrong to stand up to Putin? Are you saying that we would rather have lower gas prices in America and Putin's iron fist in Europe? And, and Kerry said... Uh... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is like this is serious. Some serious gaslighting here. It terrible is. gaslighting. It's, it's terrible gaslighting. But, Absolutely. Okay. I mean, you would think you would think a good economy, which we've had in the past, would be like riding a bicycle functionally. But no, <laughs> we keep falling off of this uh, this huh. wonderful bicycle that we've been given by God. Uh, <laughs> Of a good economy, thank right. you, Andrew Carnegie, and uh, and and other uh, industrialists during the turn of the century. But anyway, I, I digress. Um, but well, we go ahead, Carrie. Well, I was just I'm too say, upset. Norm and Norm had mentioned that this is this is a false choice. Yes, the the false choice is: Would you like a war or would you like low gas prices? And it's like um, low gas prices because no, we don't want a war either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, well, it's it's ridiculous. And it's not even our war. Would you rather have your liberty or would you rather have security? You know, it's <laughs> not even it's not even that. It's like this is. But it, that would be that, would that be kind more of choice. Like, though. I, but it's not even that choice because it doesn't involve the United States. It was Russia and Ukraine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like Thanks. it's like saying to your kid, I had to take away your bicycle because the kid down the street talked back to his mother. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We had to punish you. Yeah. You, it's 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 ridiculous. So, you know, would you do you want two countries at war with one another or do you want low, low gas prices in the country that isn't at war with with those, and for those, those people countries. who are out there saying we don't know what we're talking about because of the <laughs> sanctions and all this kind of stuff. Hold on. Just just wait. Because it's our own government who put the sanctions on 
basically our economy. I know yep. it's going over to Russia, but it hampers our economy. So it's still their choice. And mm. not to mention that Biden, during his administration, the first few days of his administration, was talking about how we're going to uh, end drilling and we're going to uh, not allow any kind of uh, 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 of offshore production. We're going to stop pipelines from being built. Yeah. We're not going to do all of the things. You know, we sure, the government regulates the drilling, the production, the distribution, and the sale of gasoline. But no, we don't have anything to do with these high prices. It's everybody else. Well, just take a look at this graph, uh, Mr. Uh, I Know Nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, oh, we sweet. See They're even doing it in price per therm. That's exactly. so nice. There you so go. nice to see. In pence. And you, well, this does come from the BBC, but it's from a uh, Bloomberg source as well, just to show that, yes, this is an issue well before. We're not even into 2020 here on these prices. This is an issue well before the whole Ukraine issue yeah. because of bad leadership. Take some responsibility or credit uh, somebody, please. That was a beautiful chart. <laughs> I picked it for you. I know it. I well, I know it's. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of you know science and whatnot. So I just, I would just note there. You know, just yeah, now? it's just a conversion. It's just a conversion unit and whatnot. But do you guys, do you any of you, any of you guys know is, what a therm is? You know what that? You know what that actually? No. What means? Please, please educate well, us. Okay. If, if that were different. if that were written by somebody in the United States, they would have used BTUs or British thermal units. But that's oh. the way they talk about oh. it over there. I see. Yes. I see. <laughs> but at anyway. least, at least, at least, Norm likes real science and not science in quotations. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not part of the, uh, you know, I, IFLS crowd, as the, they say. The, the, so. the scientists. <laughs> Scientism. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I, anyway, that was that was fun. Well, it, you know, it's it's interesting to consider here that like you're, the, these sanctions that you mentioned are really like the the major driving factor for why like it's it's well above just the cost of inflation or the, the increase via inflation itself yeah. but because but because oil is a globalized good mm -hmm. that the moment you cut off a one of the largest competitors from being involved in a market well guess what that means that the you know the the price of competition is going to go up so it that's why we see this you know this massive increase in the in the local price of getting oil into the United States because hey, you cut off a potential seller from being able to sell. That makes it it's gonna make it more expensive for everybody. When you do that, yeah. you really put the brakes on an economy and you just topple over the top of them and you just really well, need to get a grip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you might I guess you might need to do that. But yeah. I it is interesting though like energy prices only drive a small amount of the well not okay i shouldn't say a small amount but it in the in the grand scheme of the rest of the economy it drives only a portion of it like and so it doesn't account for the fact that we're seeing price level rises across the board and this is an interesting argument that has been that's actually been discussed on other podcasts and whatnot even amongst other libertarians i'm pretty i think tom woods did this recently where he talked about you know well if if, if it if it was really just oil prices that were driving things like you, you couldn't possibly say it's only the oil price that is responsible for inflation, because if it right. was just the oil price price that was going up, 
then then the demand for other goods would uh, correspondingly have to go you know would would go uh, the other direction. So it's like it, it, and uh, but so but that's not what's happening. So it can't right. be responsible for that alone. So yeah. what is it? What is it, Aaron? What is it? Okay, okay I have like tons of graphs to show, guys. So oh boy. Yeah. Keep up with me because they would like I have no clue how to make this short. Do they have okay, thumbs in them? Okay, so this is the one and only graph that we need, but we can go into detail. Okay. If you have a supply shock, you would think that this is what would happen. Output would go down. So wait, hey, so supply shock. So there's a lot of goods and services where their supply is going down. Okay. Okay, right? Now, exactly. The red thing is the output. Can you guys see that? Except for the pandemic, you see, when do we start with the problem? With, uh, okay, you see, you guys know, the inflation is the difference between those two lines. Yep. The difference between output and the yep. difference between spending. The, yep. the blue one is the total spending, and the real gross domestic product is the actual goods and services available. Okay. When do we see inflation, which will be the difference in between them, to start popping out? It's 2000. It's... 2020. Really, that yeah, that there third quarter, quarter 2020. Yeah. Yeah. 2020. Okay. Now, do you guys see any moment in which the red line goes down? <laughs> no. Only, only it apparently at this very light, latest stage of like kind of Q1 2022. Yeah. Oh, and spending is huh. way, way, way ahead, right? Huh. Right. So that's that curious. Collapse. That's like one percent in three months. So if you want to say that it's a supply problem yes let's go for it with the first three months of 2000 uh of, of 2022 yeah but mm. that's it everything else is monetary that's it because we don't have a collapse in the production of goods and services we have a tremendous increase you guys you see the blue line yeah. tremendous increase of spending uh on everything literally on everything and how strange the price of everything has gone up and the supply of everything has not gone down except for the last three months about one percent so our eight percent inflation one percent okay you can give it to a supply shock in the last three months but what about the inflation at any other moment and what about the other seven percent that inflation that uh, that we have it's all monetary because there's a huge amount of money that people are actually using yeah to and go and buy stuff, stuff mainly the government, government. Yep. and nobody, including the government, the government does not want to reduce spending. That's why the Fed has to raise funds, uh, raise interest rates, so that there's some type of spending coming down, which usually what happens is they raise interest rates in certain markets, such as housing and cars uh, and, the, and the automotive uh, market, where the demand, the purchasing depends upon loans, that one comes down a little bit so that real resources can go into the other markets, into the other industries. Now, if the government would actually bring down their own spending, we would not have to raise uh, interest rates at all. And I'm just using plain uh, neoclassical economics. We can go more into the all the Austrian stuff that we have. That, okay, well, on top of where's, where's the line that talks about greedy oil CEOs who are punishing people for riding bicycles? <laughs> okay. so, so look at this and, and this is uh this is the one that i like to use is like okay look, hang on uh, i want to uh, aaron i want to reiterate something for yeah. our audience that you yeah. pointed out if 
all if the government reduced its spending then we could see prices go down is that what you said it's just simple as that there will be less spending on the same amount and that's the whole point we have exa we have exactly the same amount of goods and services that we're supposed to have if you notice there's no negative after we get the recovery 20 at the beginning of 2021 there's no collapse there's a little slowdown if you wish at the end but the point is why because there's a lot of money being spent that's the key there's, it's not just the money supply but it's the money that is being spent it's so high that obviously if you have a limited supply and even the fed actually said that you know what guys we have a uh, a very uh, a, a a supply that is very limited, and and we're gonna try to lower spending a little bit. Okay, yeah, because the government hasn't done it. So it's just as simple as that. All the the government has to do is to reduce spending, and real resources are gonna go everywhere. Because if you guys see on the graph, we do not have less supply than before the pandemic. We have more supply than than. It's than, it's interesting if you look prior to the uh, to COVID, where it's almost as if we are producing more than we're spending that we were in a net positive status as an economy than we are now. It was, uh, yeah, it was the closest you can get. Actually, okay, yes, just so you and I know. There's no error bars on any of this, so. Yeah, 2014 and 2015 were even better. Wow. Anyway, yeah, anyway. well, yeah, yeah, so you guys know. this is just but one reason you. why, you know, for all of our listeners that are just on the podcast version of this, you should be watching this on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> you get all the yes. you get all the Beautiful fun graphs. In. No. And, we talk and, about and therms. The, the, just wait till we go to a service. When you guys were talking about, <laughs> we're talking about the, if it was the profits or something. Okay. This is just what is happening. This is a total consumer demand. And this is the amount of goods available. Okay. We're spending a lot of money. Then the consumers, you, you, you notice the final goods that we're producing are way more than we had before the pandemic. That, that, that There's no way out of it. We have more goods and services than before the pandemic. Oh, what is it that we have a lot more of it? A lot more spending. A lot, a lot more spending. That's it. There's, there's, there's no, like, think about this. You open a business, you are just a regular business person, and then some way, somehow, you have a limited supply you can provide, and then you have 27% more uh customers what are you going to have to do to prices to the to, to choose who to sell it to if you have 27 percent more more customers and they're willing to pay you because some way somehow they have a lot of cash a lot of money uh on on the bank that someone send them as stimulus checks well gee how do you decide who you're going to sell and who you're not going to sell because you don't have anything you have the same supply as ever you have the supply you're supposed to have but everybody has a lot more money and they're willing to spend it what are you going to have to do to prices? Raise them. And guess what? And now that the cost of production is rising and it's catching up to profit, to, to corporate, to even corporations, which I tend to not like to support in the very least, even they're suffering right now because their cost is catching up to them. Because now everything's more expensive. It's not just there's more money. Everything is expensive, including oil, including workers, including absolutely everything is becoming more expensive and their profits are actually kind of coming down. Now... The, the second topic I wanted to group for you guys, it's the Austrian point that people should stop being obsessed with having low interest rates because we honestly don't need them. There's absolutely no need to have low interest rates because employment depends upon a bunch of other stuff. The health of the economy just depends upon, yes, when people consume less, we want that flow of money to go into investment, and that has to do with healthy banking system, not with overflown banking system they're very different things completely now i want you guys to look at this 2016 
from 2015 and on, interest rates go up, and everybody, oh, we're going to go into recession. The fact that you have no uh, gray line in there, uh, gray bar, that means there was no recession. Look at the amount of employment. And this is that's what I'm saying. Please. Oh, there you go. 2015, interest rates go up, contractionary policy, everybody freaking out. What happened to employment? Absolutely nothing. And we were having super high interest rates relative to before because we had like 10 years of almost zero. Yeah, almost nothing. Why? Because interest rates do not determine, inflation does not determine employment, and even interest rates do not determine employment. It's just the flow, a healthy banking system that gets people savings. When they reduce consumption, they get it to investment. That's all we need, and we just need a stable uh, gross domestic product. Now, then again, if you want to make it more, this is the production of goods and services of lately, positive, 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 positive. The only time that you could a little bit say there was a little contraction was in quarter one. That's 1.5. Okay, out of the 8% inflation, you can say that we still need to explain 6.7, 6.5. Well, in the last the delta. That's it. It's the big delta between Q4 and Q1. So, yeah, you, you say the negative 1.5%, but that's a comp. Again, that left, this left compound, axis yeah, is go. compound annual rate of change. So, you have to explain the whole delta. That, so, it went down. It did go better. down. What? And that data is even better. When you yeah. do it from year to year, the data is even better because we don't have a collapse. We yeah. actually have increases of production because we're uh, at, at, at a higher. From year to year, we have an increase, which yeah, means the problem is. Uh, fiscal, fiscal expansion. expansion. Yeah, if you're using like a 12-month trailing average or something, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. then, then, that, then yeah, similar. it's going to look different. Yeah, but yeah, you still but have to. Just, you know. Yeah, but the nominal, but the nominal difference of the quarter itself is like the delta needs to, is is what's it is concerning because it, it is a you know it's, it's a big it's a big it's a big delta. <laughs> it's a big change. No, no, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm that, that 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 quarter you can still say okay. Now we have finally have a supply problem. Those three months, which if you ask me, was pretty obvious. Like, yeah. Uh, we had we, we had the worst air supply shocks. There's no way out, and I we knew that. But obviously, if we don't have expansionary fiscal policy backed by expansionary monetary policy, you're not going to see the prices shoot up to the sky. Why? Because people are going to have to be careful on what they uh, on what they spend. But if there's expansion on everything, okay, then people are just going to pay any price, and then just prices are just going to fly, uh, even in that situation. So, so yes, the, the only time, time where we can actually talk about a supply problem is the quarter of 2022. Outside of that, all throughout, what do we have? It's nothing more than tremendous amount of spending by expansion in fiscal policy backed by a huge monetary policy. There's no way out. People have to stop it with the supply chain stuff. We have the supply that we were supposed to have with or without the extra spending. We are exactly where we're supposed to be. The okay. government just needs to halt their spending. Yes. Hit the brakes, front and back tire both. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that covers it for tonight, fellas. Uh, that was that was a really stimulating discussion, to use yet another bad pun, per se. But uh, oh come on, guys, really? Did, did, did I have to explain? Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez, I'm begging for laughs here. All right. We're, we're, was it a little too tiresome? Oh, ooh, that. Okay, you win. You win. You got it. You got it. All right. 
<laughs> well, we, we're glad all of you guys have tuned in yet again for good news, bad news. Again, please like and subscribe to the video or your podcast and stick with us to next time. We're going to have a, a exciting next few weeks here uh, in the next uh, if you're if you are still on the fence about it. Uh, maybe you should grab a bike and wheel your way on over to Freedom Fest in a couple of weeks where you can find us all. Uh, we're going to have a wonderful table. We're going to be talking with all sorts of people. If you want to uh, grab a, a beer with me and Matt, it's going to happen. There's going to be it's going to be fun. And, don't ride uh, and drink. Yeah, we, we, we yeah, exactly. You don't want to fall <laughs> no, over. No, no, uh, no beer biking allowed, uh, <laughs> but all good. Oh, there. Oh, OK. Well, there he goes. while we try to recover Matt here. Uh, we will wish you all a very good night. Hope you've enjoyed this. We'll catch you next time.